has been doing better than he ever has. Why? Because he wised up. Now, you maybe don't need to be in a rehab center. Maybe your situation is not that extreme. Maybe it's not quite that difficult. But I have a feeling that every person in this room tonight could use to get a little more control, a little more focus, a little more direction in your life, especially if you're under the age of 28. That would include just about everybody in this room. Young people, for whatever reason, tend to just live their life wide open and they go here and they go there and they go up and they go down and uh, <clears throat> not only do they do that with their actions but they do that with their emotions and their mind and I don't know if you knew this I'm going to get into this a little bit tonight but you do not have to be an emotional basket case you do not you do not have to be a mental basket case by mental I don't mean institutionalized mental I mean the kind of person who is constantly feeding on negative, self-deprecating, and degrading thoughts. The person who's always feeding on, everything is bad, I'm bad, I'm fat, I'm ugly, nobody likes me, when will my life change, I'm a loser, I'll never succeed at anything, I can't be successful. I know, I'll tell you right now, most of the people that I deal with, and Greg would probably attest to this as well, struggle immensely in their emotions and in their mind. And we operate under this erroneous assumption that there's nothing we can do about it. When there's everything we can do about it. I want to talk with you tonight about the joy of control and the power of the word no. And the difference that that can make in your life. Just like being in a, in a car that's driving down the highway out of control is not enjoyable. Neither is it enjoyable to be in a life or living in a body that's out of control. And that's what I mean when I say that. Most of the young people that I know are not uh, <clears throat> struggling with drugs or alcohol, although some are. No question, some are. But nonetheless, most of the young people I know are struggling immensely in their relationships in their own emotions, in their own self-concept, in the way they think. And then it starts extending to their finances, to their attitudes, to the behavior, to their habits, and the cycle just keeps going on and on and on and on. <clears throat> and basically, they end up being discouraged. And they fight it, and they pretend they're not, and they try to get around friends to make them happy, but the problem is, is that no outside experience can make you happy when you're unhappy on the inside. When you're unhappy on the inside, no matter what happens to you on the outside, it's never going to change the ever-present, constant reality that you live in every day. <clears throat> so I want to talk with you a little bit about tonight. Joe, if you could give me some monitors a little more, I'd appreciate it. First of all, we need to be convinced that control is a good thing. I saw someone in the auditorium tonight got a t-shirt that says, Control Freak. This is the proper night to wear that t-shirt. There's a lot of people get accused of being too controlling. Now, of course, we don't want to be controlling of other people. But we absolutely want to be controlling of our own life. Because if you're not in control of your own life, there will be other influences that will come at you and they will end up controlling your life. <clears throat> For example, some of you, in all honesty, are a slave to the opinions of other people. 
You're a slave to it. You walk into a room. Some of you have trouble going downstairs afterwards to the cafeteria to meet people because the single greatest concept in your mind is, I wonder what these people think of me. I, they probably won't like me. I don't, I don't measure up to these people around here. Man, there's a lot of good-looking people around here. I'm not one of them. Uh, you know, these people might, they might find something out about me and they might not end up liking me. I'm, I'm constantly amazed at the self-paranoia that I deal with in so many young people. And it's debilitating. It's debilitating. There are others of you that are constantly consumed with whether or not you measure up. <clears throat> whether you measure up physically. <clears throat> there was a large article this week in the USA Today in the Life section all about the male Adonis complex. The Adonis complex is the complex that you're not muscular enough, your pecs aren't big enough, your biceps aren't muscular enough, your forearms aren't defined enough, and it goes on and on and on. <clears throat> and where this, this used to be only confined to women, now men are beginning to suffer from this in unbelievable numbers. Whether it gets down to the injection of steroids or whether it's just you're addicted to the natural food store or whatever that one's called, general something, minor, nutrition something store, and you're in there buying as much creatine and power shakes as you can get your hands on, the problem is, the problem is, not that you're so concerned about your health. The problem is, you're out of balance in your head. You've got an imbalance in your mind, in your thought life, in the way you deal with life. And it's extremely unhealthy. Some of you are afraid to make decisions in your life because you're afraid that others, it might be relatives, it might be friends, may not approve of the decisions that you make in your life. And so there's a paralysis in your life. <clears throat> Some of you others may be a slave to fashion. Nothing wrong with fashion. But some of you are constantly influenced by the rest of the lemmings around you. And you have no idea how to stand on your own for what you believe is right to do. It's called the herd mentality. You have to grasp that control is a good thing. Control means this. means to exercise a restraining or directing influence over power or authority <clears throat> to guide or manage. Now, I want you to ask yourself a question tonight. You don't have to answer it, but I want you to think about it in your own mind. In other words, don't shout out your answer or raise your hand. But how many of you really feel like you're managing your life well? I'm managing my emotions well. I'm managing my money well. I'm managing my thought life well. I'm managing my relationships well. I'm managing my time well. I'm managing my life well. Everything is fitting in to this overall plan. And I am going to be a gold medalist in life. I really, you know, the Olympics are fun and all that. But frankly, they make no measurable contribution or difference in the lives of the average person in the world. Whether you gain a gold medal or lose a gold medal, whether you swim faster, run higher, or jump, one day you're going to get old and it isn't going to make any difference at all. The sad thing, the sad thing is that often when you get past the Olympics, you start finding out the lives of what a lot of these people end up being or doing. Sure, some of them have great discipline. Nothing wrong with discipline. Nothing wrong with athletic endeavor. But then you find out that they can't adjust anymore. 
the little gymnast can't adjust to her new female body that was repressed for so long because she was stayed in her prepubescent body because of the discipline. And all of a sudden, she's a normal woman. What do I do? Then you find out she didn't have a very strong mind at all. You see, then, then, then now you're dealing with life. Now let's see if you can get a gold medal in life. If you can get a gold medal in your future marriage. If you can get a gold medal in the way you deal with family and money and your mind. See, that's, that's the podium you want to be on. That's the podium you want to be on. And that's what we want to help you do with the rock. The goal here, one of the primary goals of the rock, is to help you succeed in life. The only game that really matters. Succeed in life. I'll tell you some interesting phenomenon that I've been noticing. I've been doing, some of you may know, I also pastored Evergreen. Founded Evergreen and founded, co-founded the, the Rock and Evergreen. And I've been doing a series called The Meaning of Fatherhood and the Difference Dads Can Make. If you're ever interested, some of you may be more astute and you like to read. There's a book entitled Fatherless America by David Blankenhorn. It was written in 1995. It's the most footnoted book I've ever seen. One quarter of the book is all the footnotes of all the rest of the book. It's one of the most profound books I've ever read. And I would strongly encourage you to get it. But I'll tell you something. I have noticed as I read this book and I began thinking of relationships I've had over the years, I have noticed a significant difference between young men and women who grew up with a father and those who did not. And the difference is remarkable. I'll tell you one of the differences. And those who grew up with a good father and those who grew up with a negligent, passive father or an indifferent father. You want to know the biggest difference? They're insecure. In relationships, they are unbelievably insecure. And it is amazing the things they wrestle with. All because they did not have a stable, guiding influence, which is one of the primary roles that a father was meant to play in the life of of his children. God can be that stable guiding influence in your life. God can be that directing influence in your life. But you have to first be willing to admit, I need an influence in my life. I need to get control of my life. In Proverbs 12, verse 20, it says these, Joy fills the heart of those who are planning good. Joy comes to those who don't leave things to chance. That's my quote. The first quote was, from the verse. Joy fills the heart of those who are planning for good. You see, when you're a person who's looking at your life and you're planning things and you're planning for good things and you're making good things happen, let me tell you something. 98% of life is what you plan it to be. It's not what happens by chance. It's what you plan it to be and how you plan to respond to the adversity that comes into your life. Everybody's going to have adversity. We can't control all the adversity, but I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of adversity that never has to come into your life if you make good choices. If you evaluate, <clears throat> think for just a moment of your own family. I want you to just, just, we'll just confine this to people you know the best. I want you to think about mom or dad, aunt or uncle, nieces, nephews or cousins, and ask yourself, do they have most of them the kind of life I want? And if not, ask yourself, Why? What were the circumstances that came into their life? And you will find, just like I have found with my extended family, that the majority of the problems in my extended family were for one reason and one reason alone. They made a whole lot of really bad choices. My extended family is a mess. And, and frankly, I think sometimes it's a miracle 
than I even turned out. But my father was one of six children. We're the only one. The, the, my, my father's family and my father eventually walked away and left an awful lot of hurt in my own family. <clears throat> but all of his brothers, <clears throat> every one of my nieces, nephews, cousins, most every one of them, there's like 20 of them, have struggled with drugs or been in jail for drugs. I have one, one uh, my, brother, my, my uncles, who every one of his children, almost every one of them have been institutionalized. Every single one of them. He's a drunk. He's hardly ever home. Almost every single one of the family struggled with alcohol. Almost every single one of the kids got pregnant before they were ever married. And on their third, fourth, or fifth marriage or no marriage at all. And it all comes down to the fact that they made really bad choice after choice after choice. Now, sure a lot of it had to do with the fact they didn't have a very positive upbringing. And they didn't have a role model to look at. And they didn't have a guiding, stable influence in their life. Tonight, if you're here this evening, you're probably between 17 and 28. What happened back there, we can't undo. And we can't change it. But we can change what happens from this day forward in your life. You can change. You can change what happens from this day forward in your life. Because God has given you the ability, I call it, limited sovereignty. You have limited sovereignty. You don't have unlimited sovereignty. Only God is unlimited to do anything He wants, anytime He wants, and He always knows what He's doing. You and I have the ability to make choices in our lives. Now, you may get in a car accident. For example, it may not be your fault, and it may leave you paralyzed. It may leave you with not your own teeth. It may leave you with some disfigurement. That wasn't your fault, but you have. From that moment on, to illustrate what I'm saying, it is up to you to choose what you're going to do. I have a friend, a close friend, who is a drummer, professional drummer. His name's Jason. I met Jason coming to Evergreen. After he tried lots of other things, he finally found Evergreen. And Jason came in the first time I met him in a wheelchair. <clears throat> Jason was playing, traveling all over, playing the drums, wanted to do it professionally. It's all he lived for. One night he was driving home from a gig and he, he shares this story. He shared it for me on video before and I've, I've done this at Evergreen. And he said, Mark, he said, you know, I was running from God and I was screwing around with my life. God wanted to get my attention. I fell asleep at the wheel. The next thing I knew, I woke up in the hospital bed and I could not move from the waist down. Well, he really can't move his arms very well either. He's partially paralyzed from the waist up and totally paralyzed from the waist down. And he said, God got my attention, Mark. But he said, you know what else? And if you met Jason, you'd meet one of the most positive young people you've ever been around. Why? Because he made a choice to deal with it. And instead of going mental, instead of going off the emotional deep end, he made a choice. I still have the rest of my life left, and I'm going to do something different with the rest of my life. And to be honest, he'd tell you if he were here tonight, probably the best thing that ever happened to him because he might not even be alive at all if God hadn't decided to get his attention. Secondly, he probably wouldn't be making it in life today if he hadn't decided to respond to his circumstances in a positive direction. So what we want to do is help you take control in your life. Always remember <clears throat> that 
When you're involved in something chaotic, disorganized, or out of control, it is never fun, it is never enjoyable, and it is always frustrating and extremely stressful. It's always frustrating, and it's always extremely stressful. Some of you may be dealing with stress in your life or panic attacks or a number of other things for the simple reason. And you're wondering, Mark, what's, I just don't understand what's going on in my life. And if I, were, if I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with you, we just start evaluating. Well, let's step back for a moment and start talking about your life. What are you doing? What choices are you making? How many things are you trying to fit into a day? What are you doing with your thoughts? See, some of us, maybe you're at a job and maybe you're, you sit behind a computer all day. Maybe you're a mechanic. Maybe you're in school. But, but most of you realize that when you do your jobs, your mind doesn't have to be always there. Have you ever noticed that? With almost every job, your mind can be sort of here and then it's sort of over here. You notice that? Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> you know what happens? Many of us spend eight to nine to ten hours a day living in a garbage pit. Our thoughts are so repulsive. They're so negative. They're so self-destructive. You see, we've got to learn. You've got to learn to put your, your, your thoughts in a positive direction. They, they don't have a mind of their own. Some of you think, well, well wait a minute, Mark. My thoughts, they just have a mind of their own. No, they don't. Now, there is an influence in the world. His name is Satan. And definitely, he can throw things your way, and then you have a choice to either think about them or let them go. Right? You have that choice. Some of you don't realize you have that choice. Some of you just think, Mark, I've always been this way. I've always been a melancholy person. Listen, I'm a melancholy person. You think you're a melancholy person? I can get extremely melancholy. That means get really down. That means given to a lot of mood swings. <clears throat> I guess, you know, maybe if I went and took some tests, they might tell me you fit this psychological box or you fit that psychological box. We have a psychological box for everybody today. Did you know that? So if, you're, if you've been put in one, don't feel bad. We're probably all there with you. Okay, I just want you to know that. The reason we've come up with a psychological box, though, for everybody, you want to know why? Is because we're not teaching people how to live life. We're flat out not teaching people how to live life. And so we're giving them all these things. Well, you're this. Well, oh, you're this. Well, you're that. We have so many disorders today. Forty years ago... We had hardly, we had hardly a microscopic amount compared to what we have today in disorder after disorder after disorder. Now, a lot of reason we have that is because of the gross emotional instability that comes from divorce. It's the number one reason why we have so much of that. But the other reason is because we are not helping each other go in a positive direction in our life. And I want to talk with you a little bit about that. First thing that you're going to need to do, <clears throat> if you, three primary principles for effective life management. Okay, there's three. Number one, take control now. Proverbs 25, 28. Let me read this verse to you. It says, A man or woman without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Now, what relevance does that have to you, a city with broken down walls? In ancient times, you protected a city by the walls that were around the city. <clears throat> when you do not have walls around the city, there is no defenses. The number one problem 
in American society today is the absolute lack of self-control in the majority of American citizens. It is contributing to weight problems, thought problems, emotional problems, money problems, relationship problems, and the list can go on and on and on. Look in the mirror and be honest with yourself and say, you know what? I need to develop some self-control in what I think about, who I choose to be with, what kind of choices I make, how I spend my time, how I spend my money. Think about this for just a moment. <clears throat> the average cable household in America spends 62.7 hours a week in front of the television. Now, for those of you who aren't very good at math, let me just put it to you this way. 60 hours a week, not 62, 60 hours a week for the next 30 years. Do you know how much that is of your life? Ten years. Go ahead and go home and do the math. Take 60 hours a week times 52 divided by 24 times 30 years. And that will give you how many total days and then years, then you divide that by 365 anyway, you know how to figure it out. I did it the other day, I did it twice. It's ten years. Ten years. Let me ask you an honest question. You don't have to answer it. I just want you to think about it. Is television basically in its purest form uplifting, positive? Does it fill you with wonderful, warm thoughts about your life, about where you're going? Let me tell you the number one and number two detriment of television. I watch it, and I control what I watch. <clears throat> two detrimental major, massive, detrimental issues with television. Number one, it robs you of your most precious commodity, time. What would you do with 10 years of your life? If you had 10 years to do anything you want to do, because that's what it is, you just sit there doing nothing, what would you do? And number two, and this is very important, listen very carefully, argue with me later if you like. I'm open to that. Television normalizes deviant and foolish behavior. It normalizes it. The other day, <clears throat> I'm watching the news, <clears throat> I think it was on UPN, and on comes this commercial for this new sitcom. Looked kind of funny. First few lines were funny. The next thing you know, you got these cool guys, these cool girls, they're in an apartment, and a stripper comes in, starts taking all their clothes off, but they find out accidentally it's a man. Everybody's laughing, everybody's thinking it's really funny. These are real cool young people. Just the other day, Madonna, through her big party, this was on ET the other night, invited all of her friends. She's got strippers dancing up in the balconies of the big party room. And it's just normal. They just report on it like, well, normal people do this stuff. And by the way, if you don't, you are really out of it. That's exactly its power. Now, you can argue with me. I'd love to argue about it. You won't win, but you can argue. Okay? But the bottom line is that television and the constant images that you see, the constant way, have you ever noticed the constant way women interact with men on television? For example, take Sex in the City, which has 10 million viewers, which isn't a lot for television, but it's a lot for an HBO sitcom. It's all about women getting laid, but they have their own choice. It's empowering the women. 
So if you're a young woman out there, you don't think this is true? You don't think some 15, 16-year-old young lady who sees that regularly and sees all these cool people in all these cool clothes doesn't begin to think to herself without even realizing it? This, this must be the way you interact. when you After the prom, you go into some party, you're hanging out, this is just what you do. This is what cool people do. And you say, oh, that isn't true baloney. I could come around here with this microphone and enter so many of you tonight that have been so immoral. And some of you look back and go, I really wasn't raised that way. I'm not sure how it happened. It's because it's so pervasive in our society. It's very difficult to go in another direction. So you've got the media you're dealing with. You've got friends you're dealing with. You've got your past. And so it's very difficult, unless you listen carefully to what I'm telling you, to get a grip on your life now. And decide, I am going to be somebody different. <clears throat> I'm going to be a healthy person. The only way you're going to be able to do that, number one, is you've got to admit, I need self-control in my life. I need self-control what I do in my thoughts, my emotions, my money, my time, my relationships. What I put in my mouth, what I do with my body, all comes down to self-control. Without self-control... You are defenseless. You leave yourself open to all kinds of dangers, perils, and stress. There was a program on. This was while I was in Chicago. Had a break from my marathon meetings. So I'm flipping through the cable. Only reason I flip through cable is to illustrate these things to you because I don't have cable. That's why, just in case you wonder, well, if you don't like TV, you should watch it a lot. Not really. I just remember what I see and use it as illustrations. And Maury Povich is on, and he's got... All these women who've got massively overweight children. Two-year-old little boy weighs 100 pounds. Two-and-a-half-year-old little girl weighs 120 pounds. So, you know, I'm just stunned. Frankly, I was crying. As they went down the line, one woman after another, just said, he, and Maury said, now, don't you know your baby's up? Doesn't matter. My baby's overweight. My baby can eat anything my baby wants. I feed my baby seven cans of pop every day, a whole rack of ribs, can have a dozen eggs. He eats a dozen eggs every morning. I won't say no to my baby. My baby ain't going to start my baby to have whatever my baby wants. And it went on and on and on and on and on. We are a society, men and women, listen to me very carefully. We are a society that is totally, we are not free at all. We are enslaved to our appetite to our cravings, to our urges. I know there are individuals in this auditorium tonight that are enslaved to pornography, enslaved to the Internet, and you think it's freedom, and it is haunting you, and it's got you in its grip, and it won't let you go until you admit, this is a problem, and I want to change. This is a problem, and I want to change. We obviously... We obviously cannot get rid of all the stresses in our lives, but much of the stress could be avoided if we took control and managed our lives better. <clears throat> Let me give you just a couple simple principles for taking control of your life. Number one, you've got to learn to think ahead. Proverbs 14.8 says, A wise man looks ahead to see what's coming, but a fool deceives themselves and just keeps on going. A wise person looks ahead down the road there's a passage in the Bible. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible has an awful lot. This is just the, pro the book of Proverbs. And I've been carrying it around with me for almost 17, 18 years now. It's the living Proverbs, and I read it daily. There's 31 Proverbs in a day, there's, or in a month, and there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Almost the first seven chapters 
guys of Proverbs are all on the whore, the adulteress, and the seductive woman and how to avoid her. Why do you think that's true? I want to tell you something right now. This is my own personal conviction and observation. I do not have data to back it up. I believe that what is hurting this country more than any other, more than the impact of tobacco or alcohol, is immorality and pornography in this country and the devastation that it's bringing to men and to the women they're involved with or the families that they eventually get involved with. And it is contributing to single motherhood, poverty among women and children, and and it is tooling the welfare engine of all the multi-billions of dollars that are spent because we have redefined masculinity as basically two or three things. Athletic prowess, sexual prowess as a male predator, and money prowess. And that's what it means to be a male today. And if you don't believe me, then you don't watch MTV very often and you don't understand what the hip-hop rap image is all about. And it bombards you over and over and over and over and over and over again. Until it finally, guys and gals, you may not grasp this, it is almost impossible to think about anything but a woman's butt and a woman's breast. And you're bombarded over and over and over. You girls think it's funny, I'll tell you what, it's not funny. It's a hellish way to live. It's a hellish way to live. And it's almost impossible. You, you check this out. Don't do this tonight because it wouldn't be fair. And besides, everybody be alert to this. Next time you go to a mall, you go to a party, see where the guy's looking. Is he looking at your eyes or somewhere else? And if he is, maybe you ought to first ask yourself, well, maybe he's got a problem. Secondly, maybe you ought to change the way I dress just a little bit because maybe you look a little too much like MTV. But I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, there is a serious problem going on in our society. The Bible addresses it. If you don't deal with it in your life, if you don't get help with it in your life, listen, I had to deal with it in my life. I want to say to you men tonight, I don't want you feeling ashamed or alone. I had to deal with it almost ruined my life. It almost ruined my marriage. Because of my wrong expectations of what I thought marriage would bring. And I've helped hundreds of other men have to deal with it. Because the pervasive, predominant influence in our lives is sexual. That's the predominant message in society, in music, and on television. And when you try to have a lifelong relationship with one woman, and maybe she's on a different page than you are when it comes to sex, you find out the problems that it brings to your relationship. And you're going to have to learn how to rein it in how to deal with it, and how to control your passions that society tells you. If, as a society, we drove our cars like we deal with the opposite sex, there'd be hundreds of thousands of deaths every day in the city. You know why? Because nobody would stop at the stoplights because we all hate them. Fortunately, fortunately, We have such a desire for self-preservation that we stop. The problem is we're not doing that in relationships between men and women. And many of you women have been a victim. What you don't realize is the guy who used you was also a victim of the pervasive, pathetic society that helped create him. Now God, God wants to change you. And God can change you so you're no longer a victim or a victimizer. So you're no longer under the influence of this predominant sexual 
culture. You know, here at The Rock, we're not ashamed of sex. God isn't ashamed of sex. He made it. And we'll talk about it in other terms in the future. But you first have to grasp with me the powerful, destructive impact that it's having on our society. It is degrading you women. One of the ways it does that is it makes you constantly self-conscious about how you look. Constantly. Most of you are self-conscious about how you look. And the primary reason is because, if you really boil it down, I wonder if I'm going to be attractive enough with my body to get the guy. It's a terrible way to live. You don't have to live that. So you've got to think ahead. Well, anyway, in the book of Proverbs, it talks. there's a little passage and it goes like this. I saw a young man, I looked out my window and saw a young man lacking common sense. He was walking down the streets where the harlots are. She came up to him saucy and seductive. He did not know that her former, her former victims are now in hell. And he went away like a stag with an arrow through its heart. Avoid her haunts. Avoid where she's at. Don't go near her. That's become very difficult in our society. You know why? Because of the internet. It's very difficult when you're in your house and you have access to 3,000 women who will do anything you want them to do at the touch of a button. And nobody knows. It's very difficult. So you got to think ahead. You got to decide to yourself, for example, do I really need this thing? Does this thing really need to be in my life? Do I really need this? Or maybe I could just get email. Maybe there's other ways to get it. There are, by the way. There's a lot of other things in your life you need to think ahead. Maybe you're working on what goes into your mouth. Maybe you're working on exercise, whatever it might be. Then when you go to the grocery store, you need to plan before you go to the grocery store so you don't end up with 10 boxes of Oreos, 15 bags of potato chips, and whenever you go to your kitchen, that's the only choice you have. Gets a little hard, doesn't it? It gets a little hard. I wish I could spend all night telling you these things, but I'm telling you, uh, unless you take control of your life, there's no one else out there who's really going to want to help you. The soft drink industry, they don't give a damn about you. Don't you understand? Pepsi doesn't give a damn about you. Coke doesn't give a damn about you. You know the number one reason? We have one of the contributing factors to so many decline in health is because instead of drinking water or some of the juices that are actually good for you, we're a culture that is addicted to sugar water. And we're pouring it down our own body. Not there's anything wrong with having a pop once in a while. The problem is we can't live without it. And it goes on and on and on and on. And so if you look at almost every aspect of our culture, we're out of control. You've got to think ahead. Second, you've got to plan ahead. And third, you've got to make preparations. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent man foresees the difficulties ahead and prepares for them. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Take your car, for example. I know so many people have car problems. You know the reason most people have car problems? It's because they haven't done what the manual said to do. For example, let's take batteries, for example. If you've got a car that's about four years old and the battery's been in there for four years, let me give you a little advice. I know these things because I used to be in the business. Right now, while it's still warm, go to Walmart buy a $39 battery. They'll give you a two-year warranty on it. has almost 750 cold-cranking amps. 
and have a friend help you put it in and throw the other battery away now. Don't wait. Don't press your luck. Don't wait until one, it'll happen this way. It'll be one really cold winter day. You've got to be somewhere. You go out, it's dead. It'll be inconvenient. You'll be cursing the car, kicking the tire. And you know what? It's your fault. Why? Because they're not made to last forever. And they aren't made for you to wait until they're bad and then do something about them. Just decide, you know what? Wow, I got four years out of this battery. I'm getting all the getting's good. I'm training in getting another one. That's how you can keep so much stress and chaos from coming into your life. Another one is, think ahead about the consequences of death. Now, there may be a time that you have to borrow money. Think it through carefully. Think through where you're going to want to be and where you're going to want to go. Sometimes we don't think through the decisions we make. This is what a wise person does. They make preparations. They think ahead. And they prepare to meet those things. Whether it's putting money away in your savings account, whether it's thinking through, I'm headed on a trip. You know what? These tires are bad. I'm going to, maybe your trip's seven months away. I'm going to get different tires on this car before I go. I'm going to have it given a checkup and make sure I got good antifreeze. You know, my hoses and belts are in good shape because inevitably you'll be driving down the road and something will happen. It's one thing when it's your car. It's another thing when it's your life. Let me give you just a couple other things and then we'll be done. Number two, get organized. Believe it or not, the first place I ever learned about time management was in a Bible study. The Bible talks about it. It says, make the most of your time. Personally, I was a very unorganized person. At 19 years old, I was about as unorganized as you get. I just kind of flew through life by the seat of my pants. Now I'm almost the opposite. Just about everything I do is planned out and I don't do anything in my life that doesn't fit in to my overall goals, focus, priorities. But that's not how I always live my life. But, but living my life that way now brings a lot of joy to my life, brings a lot of satisfaction to my life because just about everything happens that I hope is going to happen. Why? Because of the choices I made and the goals I'm working towards and I keep working towards them until they happen. If you leave your life to chance and you don't schedule your life, you're going to do what I'm going to get to in a moment. You're going to be very overcommitted. Schedule your life. Put your priorities into your schedule and schedule your plans. Look ahead to your month or your year. I would encourage you all to go out and get a cheap or expensive, either one at Target or Walmart or Franklin Quest, a planner. So you can look at a whole year and figure out, well, what do I want to do this month? Oh, okay, we're going to go to this thing. Oh, this thing's coming up at the rock on this day. Write it down so you're not scrambling at the last minute. I keep track of the filters that I change in the furnace. Every month, first day of every month, I put a new one in. Every month, first day of the month, I turn the mattress around. You may think it's crazy, but I can tell you right now, I'm going to get longer life out of my mattress and I sleep a lot better. You can do whatever you want. That's up to you. When my son's guitar, sometimes I help him change the strings. I have a book and I write on every three weeks, put new strings on it. And I date it when they are. So I'm never guessing, well, was it a week? Was it three? I don't know. Was it four weeks? You never know. At seven bucks a pop, I want to make sure that we're not putting them on too often nor too long because they get dead and then they're no good. Then your real expensive guitar sounds like trash just because you didn't put strings on it. Little battery that goes in it. One of the things that bugs me more than anything else, how much are batteries? They're nothing. You know how many times I've been speaking publicly and someone didn't check the battery? 
before every service at Everly in the Rock, we always put a new battery in. I don't care if somebody says it's wasteful. I could care less. What I care is we got a smooth operation to the best of our ability. Think ahead. Plan ahead. Think about that with your life. If you're headed, maybe you're going to be with some relatives. Maybe you're going home over Christmas. If you know there are temptations when you go home, if you know there are some difficulties you're going to face when you go home, maybe you're going home to a family that was very difficult for you, but you really want to build bridges to your family. Let me give you a few ideas. Number one, don't go home for two whole weeks. It'll be disaster. You're your own person now, most of you. I would go home for three, four, maybe five days. Second idea is take a friend. Tell your mom and dad, hey, I want, to, I want you to meet one of my friends. I've known a lot of young people that have been saved tremendous pain of abuse when they went home because mom and dad acted different because it was a friend with them. And mom and dad were able to see, wow, there's a difference in my child's life. They made progress, and instead of badgering the whole time, they couldn't really do that, so they wanted their best behavior because a friend was there. Think ahead. Plan ahead and organize your life. Make sure that your time reflects what's most important to you. Get into a routine. Young person, I want to tell you something. One of the best things you can do for yourself is get into a routine. For me personally, every day, no matter what the day is, and usually no matter what time I go to bed, I get up at 5.30 to quarter to 6. Every day. I just do it. Just get up, go down the shower, get my morning going the same way. Every day. I work out basically the same way. Every day. You may say, it's really boring. That's okay. I would rather be the tortoise than the hare. I don't care how much variety you may have in your life. I have something that works. So I don't care every day I'm on the same stupid exercise bike or on the same dopey treadmill or doing the same stupid weights. My goal is not to be Hercules. My goal is to stay fit as long as I can and hopefully when I'm 80, still be going strong. That's my goal. So you've got to get into routines. Lastly, you've got to learn to say no. I want to just emphasize to this, a lot of you here in this room, you have trouble saying no. You know the number one reason why? You're a people pleaser. You are a people pleaser. There are some of you in this room, it just kills you if not everybody likes you. It's just so hard for you. It just eats you out on the inside. It's like, I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to be happy. That's an impossible endeavor. You can't do it. What it will do is on the outside you may be smiley and bubbly, but on the inside it eats you away. It eats you away because you're never really happy. So let me give you a few ideas. Number one, it's okay to say no. Do not overcommit. It is not unloving to say no. I like the word no. No is a good word. It's an empowering word. Now you don't always, if someone says, hey Mark, can I talk to you? No. Um, what can I have some time? No. Mark, could you do my wedding? No, absolutely not. No, you say things like this. Well, you know, it's really thoughtful of you to ask. I'm really honored that you'd ask me to do your wedding, but I'll tell you what, I'm committed on that weekend. It's not their business what my commitment is. It's my business to let them know that I'm committed. See, that's a gracious way to say, no, can't do it. There's all kinds of ways to say no. You've got to um, realize that you cannot say yes to everything and you can't do everything. If you do, you're going to go insane. Inside, this is why another reason a number of you have emotional and mental hang-ups. Because you are way over committed. 
There is no time in your life for pause and reflection. There is no time in your life to just get up, get a leisurely start to the day, because you are multitasking your head off. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. No, you don't. You don't. Decide what really matters in your life and do that. Let me give you a few ideas. Make rules and live by them. Make relationship rules, moral rules, lifestyle rules, financial rules, and eventually your family, family rules. Let me give you a couple ideas. Relationship rules. Now these, of course, most of you know, well, this is obvious, but to some it's not. I will not date a married man. Good rule. I will not date an unyet divorced but separated man or woman. Why? Because they're still married. It gets very complicated. Very complicated. Well, anyway, make rules. Make moral rules. I would encourage you to make moral rules. You better decide right now, what are you going to do in your relationship? What are you going to do physically in your relationship? Sometime I'm going to do a whole series on this alone, on dating and some of the things I would advise you to do in your dating relationships with the opposite sex. But one of the things I would advise you to do is have moral rules, and that is, I will not touch her breast and I will not touch his genitals and I'm not going to sit in the car and stick my tongue in her mouth now. Why? Because necking, kissing, whatever you want to call it, it's enjoyable. It's turned the engine on. Whether you like it or not, it's on. And honey, if it isn't on for you, it's on for him. It's on for him. You see, you turn the engine on. And you better decide right now or, or what's going to happen is something's going to happen that's totally unexpected. You didn't want to happen and you're going to be crying and going, oh my gosh, I don't believe this happened. I didn't want it to happen. And now you've opened Pandora's box and once you open Pandora's box, it's real hard to close. So you got to decide beforehand, this is for marriage. This is mine and it's my gift to give to my life partner after we're married. If you don't have those moral rules, well, let me tell you, I'd be glad to visit with you on the phone again if you disagree, and we can just talk about all of the brokenness in our society because people aren't living by rules, guidelines in their life. I never make promises or commitments I cannot keep or fulfill. My life goal, <clears throat> listen very carefully to this, is not to make everybody happy. I want to make God happy. It's the only person I care about. I do not want to make everybody happy. I want to make God happy. You know what Jesus said? He said, Woe to you when everybody speaks well of you. Woe to you when everybody speaks well of you. But that's how they spoke about the false prophets. The Bible says that the things that are commendable in the eyes of man are despicable in the eyes of God. So the last thing I want is everybody in the world think Mark's just the neatest guy, most wonderful guy. Oh my gosh, he's amazing. I don't want that. I want to stick to what my priorities. I want to make God happy. And I'll tell you right now, if you live to make God happy, you will be happy, but a lot of other people around you won't. Screw them. Who cares? Let me say that again. Screw them. Who cares? I don't have to answer to the world. You don't have to answer the world. You have to answer to God. And you will. And for those of you that want to argue about the existence of God, go ahead. But someday, when you're standing with Him face to face, all you have to ask yourself is, will my arguments do any good then? That's all you've got to ask. <clears throat> I know. I know what I believed. I know who I'm going to see. And I don't know in my heart, you're going to see Him too. 
Whether you believe it or not. You see, unbelief doesn't make any difference. It just makes you a loser. But it doesn't wish God away. It's not like, I don't believe He's there. I don't believe He's there. He's not there. It's only in my mind. <laughs> Once you cross the boundary we call death, and you enter the other world, the permanent one, I just hope you're ready to die for what you believe. When you make more commitments than you can keep, Here's what happens. You get very stressed and you frustrate and stress out the people you made the commitments to. You see? It's a double-edged sword. You're stressed out and they're stressed out because you can't follow through on your word because you overcommitted. Because you were afraid that they might frown at you or be displeased with you in person and you didn't have the courage to say, um, you know, I, re I really appreciate you asking me your party. I mean, I really do. It's really sweet of you. But I just can't come tonight. Oh, why not? It won't be the same without you. I'm sorry, I just can't come. Why? Well, because I've been up really late the last couple nights studying, and tonight I need to be in bed by 10. Party pooper! Have you ever noticed how we can't even take that? I mean, we feel guilty about that. Why? Why do you feel guilty about doing something positive and needed in your life? Don't let other people run ruin or wreck your life don't let it happen you cannot be passive you must be proactive young person in these areas you must be proactive get control of your life now think ahead plan ahead and begin to put these priorities into your life and learn to say no let's pray next week what we're going to talk about is getting control of the most important area of your life Get in control of the most important area of your life. Father, we want to...